Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Harriet Minter and this is the Badass Women's Hour. Sometimes on this podcast, the news story I talk about, the people I interview and the question of the week all have a sort of synchronicity. Now, most of the time that doesn't happen, but when it does, as it does this week, it makes me very happy. And I'm a simple soul. The unintentional theme for this week's podcast is setting boundaries around what we do and don't share. I'll be talking about the press reaction to the news that Meghan and Harry are having baby number two. And just why who you tell that to is nobody's business but yours. Plus, my interviews this week, yes, there are two of them, have made a whole podcast and book out of sharing other people's stories, particularly the coming out stories of members of the LGBTQ plus community. They explain why hearing someone else's story is so powerful and why every parent should read their book. And finally, the listener question of the week is a doozy of a question this week. Imagine this, the pandemic has taken your job and you've had to move back in with your parents. And now your mother wants to know how the job hunt is going and she keeps asking and asking and asking, how much do we have to tell the people we share a house with about our lives? And is it different when those people are your parents? First up though, Megan and Harry, aka the Sussexes, have announced they're having a baby. And the press has gone mad, obviously. Not in the usual way of a royal baby with mocked up photos of what it might look like and speculation as to the name but mad about the fact that only a few weeks ago they were being told off in court for breaching Meghan's privacy, but now they claim she's got a story to sell, so she's very happy to give away any privacy around her pregnancy. There's very little that Meghan do right in the eyes of the British press. We've talked about this before on the podcast, so I suppose we should have expected this, but let's just count the ways the press are wrong on this one anyway. Look, first up, it's hard to keep a pregnancy private at the best of times. Gentlemen of the press, I don't know if you noticed this, but when a woman is pregnant, she does tend to get quite a bit bigger. You do tend to see that baby bump from quite a way off. So Megan, being trailed around as she is by a whole load of paparazzi, was never, ever going to be able to keep this private. She's chosen to get ahead of the story. She's chosen to talk about it in the way that feels best for her. And she's kind of dictated how much she gives away. I actually think that's a really smart move. And I can see why if you're a, let's say, middle-aged press baron, you might feel differently about that because heaven forbid a woman and of course a black woman should dictate to you what you do and don't publish, but it's her pregnancy. She's put it out there. She said, I know it's going to come out of the story anyway. It's not going to be possible to keep this one secret. It's not like they had something that happened in a corner, which nobody saw. This is a baby. In nine months time, people would have known there was a baby anyway. 
So she has just chosen how she talks about it. That's not giving away access to all your privacy. That is being really open about the fact about something people are going to know about anyway. Now, just because you're happy to talk about some parts of your life doesn't mean you don't deserve privacy in other parts. I am really passionate about this because I have definitely overshared over the years. I've talked about things that when I've gone back and thought about it, I've thought, oh, did I mean to talk about that? But I've been lucky because I've had the privilege to say, do you know what? That was a mistake. I'm not going to talk about it again. Rather than say, Megan, who every time she says something again, gets brought up again and again, who is asked incredibly personal questions that you wouldn't ask your best friend without their permission by total strangers. And she is expected to behave in a manner that is polite and charming and thoughtful and kind and be entirely open about everything going on in her life, no matter who is asking. Well, that's not how privacy works. Privacy is something that you own and you choose to give. It's not something that gets taken by somebody else. So actually, when somebody asks us a question, we should all have the right to say, do you know what? I'm really not comfortable answering that right now. Or actually, that's something I just want to keep to myself. Or I think I'm going to keep quiet on that one. Maybe I'll tell you later. All of those are perfectly acceptable options. And if we don't allow them to Megan, then we're not allowing them to ourselves as well. And finally, there is a horrendous trait at the moment around Instagram realness. This is this movement that Instagram had a few years ago. You know, the one where everyone went from being, oh, so perfect on Instagram to, oh, look at my messy kitchen. And it kind of created this idea that we should be able to see every part of everyone's life. But I don't think you want people rootling through your sock drawer. I certainly don't. I don't want people seeing what my bedroom looks like first thing in the morning when I've just got out of bed and there are crumpled sheets everywhere and I look like I've been dragged through a hedge backwards. I'm really happy to keep all of that stuff just to myself. And we need to allow people to do that. We need to allow people to say, do you know what? It's not something I want to talk about right now. And while I think most of you are probably listening to this and agreeing with me, I wonder how good we all are at doing this with not just famous women, but actually the women in our lives. By that, I mean, have you ever had that feeling with a friend or someone you work with that they're not telling you everything? And if you have had that feeling, then are you able to just sit calmly with it and be okay with the fact that there are things in your friend's life that you might just never know? Or do you dig and dig and dig and dig until you get to the bottom of it? I say this as someone who finds it very hard to sit calmly with the idea that there are things in my friend's life that I don't know about because I worry. You know, I instantly worry. I want to fix things. I want to make it better for them. But actually, that's not my job. They are entitled to their privacy. And that's a personal boundary that if they want to set, they have the right to do so. And as their friend, I should respect it. I think we want to know everything about everyone because it makes us feel safe. If we know everything about someone, there will be no surprises. You know, they're not suddenly going to drop something on us that we can't cope with. But it's not other people's job to make us feel safe. That's our own job. It's our own job to be able to sit in the not knowing of something or someone and be comfortable with it. And two women who know a lot about holding space for others to share exactly what they want to talk about and know more are Emma Goswell and Sam Walker. The two of them created the Coming Out Stories podcast, which is a global hit, and they've now launched Coming Out Stories, the book. They tell me why there is power in other people's stories and how they hope every parent reads it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Hi, Emma. Hi, Sam. Hello, Harriet. Thank you for reminding me that I've been on your show or your station before because I've completely <laughs> forgotten, but that could be the menopause anyway. <laughs> that's all about that, the better. Hello, morning from Arizona. We're, we're going international today, Harriet. <laughs> well, thank you for getting up early and joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, Emma, first of all, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast, tell, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, well, it's a very, very simple podcast. It is me in conversation with one person. It does what it says on the tin. (laughs) I talk to people from right across our beautiful, glittery and spangly and sparkly unicorn-dropping-covered rainbow family all across the LGBT spectrum, and I just get them to tell me their coming out story. It is literally that simple. I mean, sometimes we spin off into other stuff. We talk a lot about, you know, not just coming out to other people, talk about coming out to yourself, so, Mm -hmm. you know, discovering and thinking about your own sexuality or your gender identity and then broaching it and having conversations with other people, friends, family, siblings, whoever. Um, And then we always sort of end with advice for other people who are coming out because we kind of thought that would be a nice idea. Wouldn't it be great to have a collection of coming out stories all in one place so that say you were coming out and you were questioning your identity in some way, you'd have this wealth of interviews and like sort of back catalogue of experiences to refer to really. And I think that has hopefully been really useful for people. And what was really important for us Mm. was to actually get a really broad spectrum. So people from across the world, people from all different races, religions, cultures, all different sexual identities and uh, gender identities. So that, you know, whether you're a trans guy or you're non-binary or you're a lesbian living in Patagonia, whoever you happen to be, hopefully there's a story that will resonate with you and you can go, wow, I really identify with this. I've really really learned something. I mean... It's the most sort of, it's just the most beautiful and heartwarming podcast, I think. Sam, how did you come to be involved in it? Well, Emma used to be my lodger. I was a <laughs> landlady. Uh, Emma and I have known each other for 150 years, even though we look incredibly youthful. And um, Emma was looking for somewhere to live. And I said, hey, I've got a flat on top of my house. I'd like a little room with a kitchen and everything. 
So Emma came and moved in and um, it was a kind of great old rambly old Victorian house. And down in the basement, I put together a little radio studio because I worked in radio for years and years and years. And I was just thinking as you do one day, having a cup of tea and Emma was pottering around, putting a wash on, I think, something incredibly glamorous. <laughs> and I said, come here, let's have a chat. And I said, do you know what I've been thinking about the fact that as a straight person, as a, as a cis person, as a straight person, I've never had to come out. I've never had to come out. I've never had to sit there and sort of slightly awkwardly correct the pronoun of my partner. I've never had mm. to explain why perhaps I look a bit different in my childhood photos to how I do now. I've mm. never had that... Oh, Actually, it's a girlfriend I'm seeing tonight, not a boyfriend or, mm. yeah, well, I don't actually have a husband or whatever it might be. And it's just this constant coming out process that anyone who is LGBTQ plus has to go through. And especially as someone who has, has grown up and been a big part of the LGBTQ plus family since I was sort of an early teenager, it's something that I suppose because it, I'd never batted an eyelid and I'd never thought, oh, well, that's a bit, why would they want to be mm -hmm. with someone of that gender or whatever? It kind of, and I think a lot of allies have that issue where they think, well, I'm not bothered by it. So therefore they don't think about the fact that other people are. Mm. And whereas I've got loads of fantastic friends who are part of that community, actually that doesn't mean that everyone they's come out to has always been accepting and and not battered an eyelid or however you want to phrase it. So I thought about this and I thought, huh, yeah, even people in my life who have, who've been out to me for years and years and years doesn't mean that they're having a good time and an easy time all of the time. So I said to Em, do you know what? I just think it'd be really important to tell these stories, not just for people to, to explain to other LGBTQ plus people, but to other allies, to mums and dads and brothers and sisters and colleagues who maybe go, do you know what? My daughter has just um, come out to me, you know, and told me that she's lesbian or she's pansexual. I don't really know what that means. And I don't really know how I feel about that. And it's, it's also a place that somebody of, of any gender and, and any sexuality can go to and just find out about how other people tick. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings. We all just want to be happy and we all fall in love or maybe we don't but you know what I mean it's 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 about what connects us and not yeah. about what divides us so we had this idea and Emma said no I'm not interested it's a rubbish idea Sam <laughs> and uh, I managed it's to true. persuade her <laughs> I'm a cretin I didn't see the benefit in it I really thought <laughs> did oh, you come not? on who wants who wants to hear my coming out story or anyone else's you know why do we have to come out in 2018 when we started it yeah. you know and all these sort of debates were going around my head um, and this is what I love about the podcast, that Sam's involved in it. She's the producer. She puts mm -hmm. it out there in the world and it wouldn't have existed without her. You know, and she's the straight cisgender person, you know, and, we, you know, our community wouldn't be anything without the allies. So that's what I love about our partnership, really, that, you know, it took a straight person to convince me <laughs> that these stories are, are valid and should be out there and, and you know, should be shared. So, yeah, when you, that we're... Can I ask you, when you recorded the first one, did you have yeah. a moment while you were recording it where you went, Oh, this is quite good. It's quite it could be quite good. Well, the first one was actually the only the only one until the most recent one where we're talking about the book, which is mm. out coming out stories at all good bookstores. <laughs> um, was the only one where Sam's on it and she interviews me, so I talk about my coming out story. And you know, like most radio presenters, I love talking and talking about my own <laughs> life. So I, I did suddenly think, oh, actually, this is quite interesting. And I'm actually, you know. 
And do you know what the thing is about being an LGBT person mm. who's slightly longer in the tooth, shall we say? <laughs> I came out in 1989. Now, quite a lot of water has got under the bridge then in terms of legislation, in terms of the way society views lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans people. And I'd forgotten, because you just get on with your life, don't you? I'd forgotten how bloody awful it was, to pardon my mm. French. Yeah. And it was really hard. And I, I, you know, now come out on a daily basis. I used to work for Gaydia, the world's biggest LGBT radio station. And I didn't bat an eyelid and I've forgotten how painful it was as a teenager and how much mm. shame I felt. And actually that's why these stories are important because even though it is 2021, people still feel that that utter sh sort of gay shame it's called. You know, mm. people feel awful because of what the world is telling them. Even if you've got liberal parents or whatever, the world is telling you that you're abnormal. Um, so yeah, it was a revelation to be interviewed about it actually. And I, and I find the same when I interview people, you know, grown men breaking down and crying going, I haven't talked about this for 10, 20, 30 Sometimes years. Sometimes ever, wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. So you've had the podcast since 2018. It's been doing really well. Why did you decide you thought, actually, we're gonna we're gonna go back. We're gonna go back in time. We've done a podcast. We're gonna go back to what people used to do before podcasts and create a book. <laughs> Yeah, well, we didn't. Uh, we're not. <laughs> we were. No, I'd love to say that we had this fantastic entrepreneurial idea. But what happened was, Harriet, I was I was um, living in Manchester then, still with, and Emma had just moved out. I think, hadn't you, Emma? You'd gone and flown the no nest. Longer, I was no longer the lesbian in the loft. <laughs> you weren't. You'd left, and I was actually leaving Manchester to come and live in the United States. Hmm. And I was literally surrounded by boxes. And we got an email from Jessica Kingsley Publisher saying. We really love your podcast. We have discussed it at length. We would like to propose that you make a book of, you know, publish a book of the podcast. And I went, <laughs> that's a funny scam. Ignore. And I took no notice of it for quite a while. And I thought, I wonder whether I should just Google whether they are actually a publishing company as opposed to some sort of vanity <laughs> self-publishing unit. Oh, no, they're actually, oh, right, they've actually, they're an actual publisher. Okay, probably best <laughs> that I get back to them. So, again, I was sort of sitting on boxes, literally about to leave the country when we spoke to our amazing, amazing editor, Andrew, who said, let's make a book, D you know, do me a full proposal. Let's go to the board with it. And we did, and it was approved, and we spent the next that year, didn't we, Em, essentially kind of curating and collecting our stories, going through everything, making this really beautiful, positive, inspirational, uplifting book, which is, it's not a sort of angry, fist-waving, didactic, you know, mm -hmm. polemic of, it's, it's about people like you and me and about the fact that, and I get all soppy at this stage and Emma laughs at me, but it's about mm. love and it's about mm. the fact that the reason anyone ever comes out to you is because they want you to know who they are and they want you to be part of their life. And that's the reason. It's not to, it's not for any sort of big nefarious reason. It's not to make you feel uncomfortable or to, if you're a parent, ruin your, your idea of what your child's life may be like. It's because they love you. And as you always say really beautifully, Em, you just want the people around you who you care about to know who you are and to share your life. And I just think if you love your child, which generally we all do, if your child is hurting or is heartbroken or is in love with somebody or going to get married, does it matter who the gender, what the gender of that person is? No, it mm -hmm. matters that your child is happy. And that's. What I, I would love about. every single parent in the world to read it, actually, because there's some shocking examples of parenting in it, aren't there, Sam? I mean, there's, there's yeah. what are some people of, that have... What are some on. of the things that... Yeah, because I think this is really important for parents... 
what is some of the stuff that really shocked you? And I suspect a lot of us think, oh, that's in the past. That would never happen now. Is that the case or not? Yeah, so the parents that never spoke to their child ever again and made them spend an entire summer Mm -hmm. at so-called gay cure therapy camp. Mm -hmm. Um, This is in America. This person then got thrown out of university for being gay because you can have that in America at certain um, religious institutions. Mm -hmm. Um, The father that turned around to his son and said, oh, don't worry about that. I can take you to a doctor and there's a pill for that. You know, and this is in the last 20 years. You know, these these are beliefs that still happen and the scary thing yeah. is the government still haven't made um, conversion therapy illegal yet in this country so you know it doesn't happen very often but worst mm. case scenario it could yeah you know it's there are some, there are some really bad examples of parenting but then equally there's some really nice stories in the book as well about parents coming round, and that's that's what I want to point out about the book there's those mm. awful stories and there's some really terrible things that happen to people but the book also shows how actually things get better and those parents that might have an awful reaction in the beginning do eventually come around I love Sophie's story for that because her mum was so upset when she came out as gay you know they had a great family relationship but she was so upset she threatened to divorce her father you know the family nearly split up it was all really traumatic and literally within a couple of months the mother had come around fast forward to her graduation and her mum came to Manchester and they went out in Canal Street. Her mum went to gay bars in Canal Street. <laughs> and then when it came to her birthday, sent her a, 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 a card with a rainbow on and said, I thought this would be great for you because it symbolises your community and I'm really proud of you. You know, that's Aww. gone from someone that wanted nothing to do with her daughter and wanted to leave the family and was utterly traumatised to within 12 months, a complete turnaround. You know, and there's lots of beautiful stories like that as well, actually, of, of parents that do come around and realise what the important thing mm. is in life, that their kid's happy. And it's and it's again meeting people, because Sophie's mum met Sophie's girlfriend, and who was happened, happened to be attending the bar of one of these <laughs> clubs that they went to, and Sophie's girlfriend bought a round of drinks, and she went, oh, isn't she a lovely girl? Oh, she's, you know, all the things <laughs> your mum say about your partner. Isn't she polite? Doesn't she dress well? And all these funny things that some mums, you know, and as a mother, I can also say, you know, if my children ever say they like someone I'm like well they're polite you know are they nice to their mother and all these crazy things but and that's what happened and she went oh isn't she just a lovely girl and you know I tell the story in the book about you know how a a member of my family came out to me she came to pick me up from the train the railway station when I went to visit her and she said I've got to tell you something I've been living with someone for the last five months but my mum doesn't know and I said, how can your mum not know? She lives around the corner from you. Doesn't she notice the boxer shorts on the short, the floor of the flat? She said, no, because she's a girl. And I went, now I feel really stupid that I just presumed. Mm. And this is the issue, isn't it, with, yeah. with anyone that you just presume. It's kind of, again, this word that's sort of a bit triggering, but heteronormative. We all sort of presume that everyone is straight and presume that everyone is cisgender when that's just not the case. And so I felt a bit daft, but I laughed. But I saw how happy my cousin was. But then my auntie, you know, she had a problem with that. And she said, oh, I just, I don't understand. And she came out with this line, it's all right for you. You went to university. And by that, she meant you've met people outside the bubble of where I grew up and the town I grew up. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, it's, and it's not that that family member of mine was was homophobic it wasn't that she was wantonly anti-gay it was just she didn't know anybody and she thought we look at the newspapers and we look at the tv shows until fairly recently had these massive stereotypes of anyone who wasn't straight and who wasn't cisgender 
and and we just think oh and and we have this story time and time again in the book where a lot of people who came out to their parents in the 90s their parents would break down and cry especially the men and say oh that's it you're going to go to london and hang out with all those people and die because all the you know all the images of, of gay people that they saw were in the kind of gay pride parade and of those terrible terrible uh, stories they read in the newspapers when actually as another great story in the book shows carl um carl who was in the was actually you know asked to leave the air force because he was a gay man you know when he came out to some of his fellow soldiers they went oh well what what do you do and he said what do you mean and he said well you know when i go home on leave and me and my girlfriend sit on the sofa and watch telly and i've I've, I've had a bottle of wine and a curry takeaway what do you do and he went yeah we we sit on the sofa and (laughs) and have a (laughs) beer that's the next book stupid questions lgbt people get asked well exactly and it's but it's again it's just and that's why the book is just about realizing guess what whatever your gender is mm. whatever your sexuality is you probably do go to B&Q at the weekend and and buy some whatever and you do go to Tesco or Asda and get yourself a ready meal because you know it's it, we're not different we're all the same <laughs> is there um are there any kind of common themes that have come out across your interviews when it comes to giving people some advice or some reassurance about actually coming out I think probably a common theme is, you know, there are the horror stories in there. There are the people that have lost their genuine family and they haven't really spoken much since. Um, But generally speaking, coming out is a lot less painful than everyone thinks it's going to be. And I certainly remember for myself in the 80s that I was, there were no lesbian role models. I didn't know anyone who was gay. I thought I was the only person in the world. I beat myself up Mm. about it massively. And most LGBT people do because they're given all those messages and they tear themselves apart. And I hear it again and again and again, because they've heard all the bullying and the homophobic or transphobic language in the playground. Boys mm. have been called, or I won't, I won't even say the words, yeah. but you know the sort of words that gay boys yeah. get called in the playground. And they thought that it was going to be horrific. And actually what happens is nine times out of 10, their parents or the people that they're telling do throw their arms around them and tell them they love them. And they were, absolutely shocked and surprised there's there's been a few dramas and twists and turns along the way and sometimes it's taken parents as I said with Sophie's a little bit of time to come to that but actually we always think these things are going to be much worse than they are um and I think that's something for people to hold on to actually and every single person another common theme is happier once they've done it yes it might have been traumatic at the time they might have had to leave home but they are glad they did it because living in the closet or denying who you are is a very painful and destructive place to be really so every single person I've spoken to no matter what their experience is a hundred percent happier their mental health you know has been destroyed it's been really wrecked but actually doing it and coming out the other side, people are always happier. Mm. Yeah, we've all had that job, haven't we, where we haven't been able to kind of be ourselves at work. And I'm not talking about yeah. sexuality. I'm talking about if we've just taken on a job and gone, oh, I don't fit in with this team or I don't fit in with the way that the, the culture is at this place of work. Imagine if that was every aspect of your life. Mm. And that's, you know, we, we all know the strain of what it can be like when you can, kind of can't be yourself. Um, so, yeah, imagine that writ large forever it's so difficult was there anything that you wanted to do differently with the book rather than the podcast well it was interesting because when we did the podcast it was Mm. we cast the net as wide as possible didn't we and actually in the podcast there are 
um, quite a few different celebrities on the podcast, aren't there? So there are yeah. people like, well, Prince Manvendra Singh, the first out gay prince in the world who lives in Gujarat state. So I was lucky enough to interview him. We've wow. got people like Joe Lysett, Stephen Bailey. Mm. We've got musicians like Lucy Spragan, Heather Peace. We've got Davina DeCampo. So there are celebrities in the podcast. But what was interesting was when the publishers came to us, they said, yeah, loads of celebrities already have their coming out story in books. You know, there, mm. there, there is that in the marketplace. But what there isn't is the real people's stories. And that's what we're interested in. So the book really is just real people from the LGBT community. So there's there's that difference in that sense. Although having said that, we've still got quotes in between each chapter. We've got quotes from all these different types of celebrities, people like Michael Cashman, Peter Tatchell, again, Joe Lysett and comedians and a real mixture of people from across the LGBT community, just giving literally two sentences of advice of what they would do if they um, coming out again so that, so that's been a real night what I like about the book is it, it it people keep saying to me I'm loving reading this book because you can literally read one chapter and put it down and start again tomorrow so it's a sort of you can dip in and dip out there's 28 stories there plus loads of little bits of advice from celebs so it's a really nice mix actually and I suppose actually a lot of people might think oh here we are in you know 2021 and uh you know eight-year-olds are coming out to their parents and nobody blinks an eyelid and it's all totally fine and easy. But actually, that's not the case, is it? No, it's mm. it's really not. And it's, it's great that a lot yeah. of people don't bat an eyelid. Fantastic. But I think it's really important to remember that even if you don't bat an eyelid, don't presume mm. that your work colleague, brother, sister, mother, father, whoever it might be who's just come out to you, is having that same experience with everybody they come out to because they are not. And, you know, as I said, I've had loads and loads of different friends come out to me and it's always been something because of the way I was brought up, Harriet, that I'm just mm. like, well, I don't really mind who you go to bed with because, frankly, mm. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about who my mates go to bed with. <laughs> That's their business. Um, I'm always amazed when people go, I can't bear to think what they're doing. And I'm like, why are you thinking about it? You're the loon in this. But anyway... <laughs> But, you know, um, the fact is that, you know, I remember speaking to a really close friend about this and he said to me, do you know what? It never occurred to me. And he mentioned someone that we used to work with. And he said, I'd said to them, oh, had you ever had any problem? And they went, oh, well, yeah, my brother didn't speak to me for five years. And uh -huh. while well, I was once at work and, you know, my, my boss and this is all in recent history. So even if that person who's come out to you and you go, great, whatever, let's go to the pub, um, actually, it's understanding that their experience is not going to always be the same, even in 2021. And, you know, there was a great story we had. It was Stephen who literally the way he came out to his parents was to come home one day and go, all right, mum, dad, um, this is my boyfriend, John. I'm just going to go upstairs and get changed. All right, hang on. And just left him in the kitchen. <laughs> and, and, and yes, that's exactly how it should be, because why should it make any difference? It shouldn't. Yeah. But until it does, the more we can talk about it, and just realise that we all have different experiences in life, the better. And finally, just quickly to end, for each of you, what are your favourite stories in the book? Oh, you see, Harry, you're making us choose between our own children. This is what it's That's like, dreadful. you know. Don't forget, I've sat down with these people and uh, oh, been on Zoom calls with them. And you know, literally, I've been in the situation where grown men have cried. And in fact, I'm thinking of Assad, actually, because he, he was oh, one that cried yeah. in front of me. And I think his story is just so powerful and 
you know, he's an Asian Muslim guy and mm. he was so convinced he was going to be thrown out. He packed a bag, hid it under his bed when he told his dad, had a friend right around the corner with a car running like he was going to make wow. a getaway. Yeah. Um, and really went through the gamut, but has now um, managed to deal with all his mental health problems, has now married the love of his life, doesn't have the same exact relationship with his family that he would want to, but he really has just gone on to achieve so much as a proud out gay Muslim man. I'm just so proud of it. I feel like they're all my children. I'm oh, so proud of them all. You can hear how proud you are. <laughs> I love it. Oh, ladies. But yeah, it's hard to pick. There's absolutely loads, yeah. Harriet. But, I can uh, imagine. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about it. I love talking to you both, Emma Goswell and Sam Walker. They're the creators of Coming Out Stories, both the podcast and the book, which is out now and has, as I says, in all good bookshops and the online ones too. Um, so do go grab a coffee. I think what they said that's really important is actually, particularly if you're a parent, read this now. Re don't be doing your homework when actually one of your kids does come out to you. Read it now and make it easier for all of you. One, two, three, four. That was Sam Walker and Emma Goswell from Coming Out Stories. Do go check out their book. Now, my question this week comes from a listener who, if I'm being honest, is in a situation that I'm not sure I could cope with. She says, early on in lockdown, I lost my job in the hospitality sector and to save money while I searched for something else, I gave up my flat and moved back in with my parents. We've always gotten well, so I thought it would be fine, but nearly a year in and I've run into a problem specifically with my mum. I know she cares and she wants the best for me, but she keeps asking me about when I'm going to get a job and what I'm doing for money. I had some savings, so I've been paying a bit towards food, but they told me at the start they didn't want any money towards housekeeping, etc. Now I feel guilty, but also I really wanted to tell her to stop hassling me. It's their house and maybe they have a right, but it isn't helping and I think in the long run it's going to ruin our relationship. What should I do? This is a really hard one. I don't entirely know the correct answer, if there is a correct answer here, because I don't know the relationship with your parents. All of us have very different relationships with our parents. But there is something that I think runs across parental relationships for all of us. And that is the fact that however good your relationship is with your parents, when you move out of home, whether that's to go and live by yourself, to go to university, you go traveling, something happens where you continue to age, but very often parents keep you in their heads at the age that you were when you moved out. So they still think of you as 18, 19, 20, whatever it was. And it's very hard sometimes for you to then move back because not only are you moving back to your home you're moving back in age and you haven't moved back in age you've moved on you've grown up you've looked after yourself and yet you're surrounded by people who think it's still their duty and their responsibility to look after you in quite a extreme way so it is a really tough situation you absolutely have my sympathies I'm going to give you some advice, but I say this with the caveat that they are your parents and you know best how your relationship is with them now and how you want it to be. So first of all, have an honest conversation with yourself about the situation you're in now, what could change in that, what is going to stay the same and how you are going to be happy in it. So what I mean by this is just get really realistic about where you are and what you think is going to change anytime soon. What I mean by this is just get really realistic about where you are and 
what you think is going to change anytime soon. So you said that, I think you said you're letting your job hunting, but if right now your sector is completely closed down and it doesn't look like it's going to open up again for a few months, it's okay to say that to your mum. It's okay to say, do you know what? I'm doing my best, but this is a situation, as you should know, because it is in all the newspapers, this is a situation I'm doing my best. The second I know more, you will know more too. And sometimes that's a really helpful phrase. The second I know more, you will know more too. Because what you're telling them is, I'm not keeping any secrets from you. I'm not up to any kind of nefarious dealings that you don't know about. I just don't know either. But I'm keeping abreast of the situation. I'm moving things on. And the second something shifts for me, you'll be the first to know about it. The second thing is, as with all relationship conflicts, the easiest way to deal with it is to talk about it in a direct fashion and use the phrase that I've talked about on this podcast before, which goes like this. When you do X, I feel Y. So it's not you make me feel like this or you're doing this and I can't cope with it. It's when you do this. So when you ask me how my job hunt is going, I feel as though you don't think I'm working hard enough, or you don't want me to be here, or you don't believe what I'm doing is the right decision. Whatever it is she's making you feel, really specifically say, you make me feel that. Because what you're saying to her is not, you're doing this and it's terrible. You're saying, this is how I feel. Is that correct? Is that what you meant me to feel here? Because she's almost certainly going to turn around and be like, oh no, not at all. I don't want you to feel like that. I'm really proud of you. You're doing so great but you're just telling her how her actions make you feel. Because what she's doing probably is just worrying about you. She's worrying about you. She wants you to be okay. And she's directing that worry towards you without really thinking about the impact that it's having on you. I would also say, look at what it is that's triggering for you. Why are you finding it so difficult for her to ask these questions? Is it because it's adding stress to an already stressful situation, living at home in the middle of pandemic, very stressful? Or is it actually, are you also worrying that you're not going to find a job again? Are you also worrying that you might be living with your parents longer than you planned? How is that feeling to you? How does it feel to talk to friends that haven't had to move home? How does it feel to be the one that is back living with their parents? Is it triggering stuff for you? Because if it is, then I would really ask you to think about how you can show yourself some self-compassion towards those feelings. You are dealing with a very difficult situation. You are dealing with the loss of a job. You're dealing with, I think, in quite a responsible manner, a very difficult global situation. So you haven't, you know, stayed trying to make it work in a flat, which is costing you loads of money. You've done a sensible thing, but it is triggering. So work out what those triggers are and show yourself some self-compassion towards them. And finally, Remind yourself what it is you love about your mother and focus on that. This is a sort of gratitude journal for parents. So (laughs) write down three things each day that you are grateful for your mother for. So, or that you love about your mother. Feeling grateful feels a bit icky right now. Fine to go with what you love about her. Write down three things you love about her and remind yourself of those and focus on those. So when she's being a bit annoying, when she's asking you all these questions, Go in your head, go back to the things I love about my mother are and remind yourself of them. Because it sounds like the two of you actually out of times have a good relationship. Focus on that, accept that right now it's difficult, but it's not going to be like this forever. And be kind to yourself and your mother in this situation. Both of you are just doing your best.
that is all for this week as ever if you've got a problem you'd like me to help you with please do drop me an email harriet.minter at gmail.com or come and find me on all the socials uh, just a reminder that my book wfh how to build a career you love outside the office is out on 4th of march and if you fancied a bit of help working from home it should give you that please do go pre-order it makes all the difference Plus, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, feel free to leave me a review, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff that helps other people find us. I'll be here next week. But in the meantime, if you want to come and talk to me, you can find me on social media at Harriet Minter. You've been listening to Badass Women's Hour. If you like the show, then help more people find us. You can tag us or talk to us on social media using at Badass Women's Hour. Or you can be really lovely and leave us a review and a rating. Five stars, please. It helps boost us up the podcast rankings and allows other people to find us. We'll be back next week with more badass guests and in-depth chat. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods, for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.